0: I woke up at around midnight having a panic attack and I had absolutely no clue what was happening to myself, to to me. Um, I had never experienced anything like it before. I had not really even heard the words mental health. Definitely hadn't heard like panic attack, anxiety, nothing like that. Um, And yeah, I thought I was dying. And then literally overnight, my entire world changed.
1: If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Well, you're going to be listening to another live podcast that we did, and just so you know, this will not affect the quality ever. These live podcasts are not like the Instagram lives that we sometimes repurpose if the content's really good. The live podcasts are actually done through a separate program that records in super high-quality audio, so in fact, if I never announced that it was live, you guys wouldn't even know, um, other than us engaging with some of the commenters that are on the live podcasts with that said the live ones will always be about a week or two earlier than you hear it on the audio so that's the advantage of tuning into our other social channels if you'd like to do that but obviously everything that is done live will always be put onto audio given again about that week or two because you guys have been an amazing audience over the last three years and we want to make sure that you get everything that you can possibly get Our guest today is Lucy McKellar. She is actually the new executive director for the Association of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioners. If you guys have heard Jennifer Woodward on the show before, I'm sure you have. That was actually her position previously, and Jennifer is now our business director, and Lucy is doing this. But she also has a health story, which... That's why she's on the show, right? (laughs) I love people at the company, but you got to have the health story, and she definitely has one. Now, Lucy's life took an unexpected twist when she suddenly started experiencing panic attacks seemingly out of nowhere. Growing up, she had a typical upbringing and now had a steady job and good friends. The concept of mental health wasn't even on her radar. Then, one night, she was jolted awake by a panic attack, convinced she was about to die. From that moment, her life became an upending cycle of fear, dominating her every waking moment. Desperate for answers, Lucy embarked on a 10-year journey through the labyrinth of mental health struggles, consulting numerous doctors but finding no relief. Ten years into her battle, Lucy uncovered a profound truth, the interconnectedness of mind and body. This revelation became the catalyst for her path to mental well-being. Through determination and self-discovery, she managed to regain control over her mental health, ultimately becoming an advocate for mental health awareness. Well, she is a graduate of FDN as well, obviously. That's how you can get into these positions at FDN. We don't hire outsiders. We actually hire people who walk the walk and have been through the program, which is really amazing. And it's cool to get to hear her story. She does not currently take on clients. She does like family, friends stuff, but this is just a person who wanted to share a story today to help others out. Without further ado, Let's get to today's episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another live episode of the Health Detective Podcast. This is fun. Uh, Lucy, you're going to be the third live Health Detective Podcast, even though we just went live with you guys, or with you the other day, for you guys. Uh, Just to be clear, Lucy was coming on wearing a different hat the other day. She was (laughs) wearing the hat of AFDNP director, which she still is. You know, we haven't gotten rid of her, right? She's doing a great job. It's just that we wanted her back for podcast guest hat now. Uh, because one of those things that you guys might have heard if you watched the live the other day was we discovered, oh, we've never really talked to Lucy about her story. And I love having as many people in staff at FDN uh, on the show because the majority of staff at FDN, even though we have like, what, it's like 45, 50 people now with the contractors included, uh, they are FDNs and they support the company. It's, it's an amazing thing. So we're, we're here to strictly talk about Lucy's story. And if you are just tuning in with us because you're like, okay, wait, they're doing health detective podcasts live now. What's that? So what we're basically doing is we want to go on YouTube, we want to go on Facebook and have some fun with different audiences. So we will be doing some of these live. Everything that's done live is always going to go on audio as well. It's usually just going to be a week later. So this is the earliest place that you could ever catch a Health Detective podcast. And if you wanted to um, catch a replay or just listen on Apple or Spotify, if that works better for you, uh, all the audio versions will be available on our normal places about a week later. So with that said, Lucy, welcome back.
0: Thanks. So excited to be here. It's great so to hate,
1: Yes, yes. I hate to be uh, redundant, but obviously, especially for the audio people, some of these people are going to be listening and have no idea what we talked about live the other day. So okay. we will have to uh, at least go through the first part of our conversation again, and then we'll kind of expand from there. Okay. But the first question I always ask on this podcast is what the individual symptoms were and when did they start? Because this is the, under the assumption that you have a health journey. We already know this. So what did those first symptoms look like? And, and when did that begin for you?
0: So for me, my first symptom uh, was a panic attack <laughs> and then it basically didn't go away for like 10 years. Oh, um, yeah, no, I, I was, uh, healthy, believed I was healthy, uh, completely normal, like regular upbringing, whatever, like regular job. Um, I was just about to start a new job. So I went to bed early that night and I woke up at around midnight having a panic attack and I had absolutely no clue what was happening to myself, to to me. Um, I had never experienced anything like it before. I had not really even heard the words mental health. Definitely hadn't heard like panic attack, anxiety, nothing like that. Um, and yeah, I thought I was dying. And then, literally overnight, my entire world changed. Like, I, right. I cannot—I don't think I can put into words how much it changed. I went to bed as like a carefree, happy, confident individual, and when I event like woke up, I eventually got back to sleep and woke up the next day. My whole world was like nothing I had ever experienced. I—I right. I was terrified, like, and I didn't know what I was afraid of apart from having another panic attack but I just felt terrified like something incredibly bad was about to happen to me literally from the moment I opened my eyes in the morning to when I eventually got back to sleep because sleep became scary because of having the panic attack in my sleep and yeah so that that's kind of how my story started and basically all of my symptoms were around Mental health, Um, especially the first, like I would say, like three or four years, I was having multiple panic attacks a day. So, like three, four panic attacks a day. And when I wasn't having a panic attack, I was in a constant state of uh, fight or flight because I was afraid of having a panic attack.
1: Well, and so this evolves even past panic attacks. Then that's, um, and listen, I don't normally act like I know every Western medicine diagnosis in the world, but mental health is something I'm obviously very familiar with. Mm -hmm. That sounds like panic disorder. That That's panic disorder, for those that don't know, is when it, obviously you still have panic attacks, but panic disorder is ca- uh, characterized by this fear of the next panic attack. And so a lot of your life starts being revolved around making habits or making choices that will lead you away from what you think is going to cause the panic attack. So unfortunately, for those of us who have dealt with this, and maybe it's your first time listening, I, I dealt with very similar stuff to Lucy. That was my first health symptom. I might have had a few stomach aches before then. I think that's what was starting to happen at like, I was young, I was like five. Uh, but panic attacks were the first like smack in the face symptom where you're like, whoa, something's definitely wrong with this person, right? No, even yeah. if you don't know what it is, you know, something went wrong. Uh, But it wouldn't be until 15 that the panic disorder came on for me and it happened in the exact same way as it did for you, minus I was already awake. But when that panic attack came, for some reason, that was the one where it was so bad and so it was traumatizing. I went to the hospital that every day after that, for a long time, became this obsession with, all right, what do I have to do or not do so this doesn't happen again? It inevitably happens again. Your life becomes kind of consumed by this. Before we dive deeper into the mental health side, because you said those were really your main symptoms, I am curious, prior to that point in your life, because I think you said this happened in your 20s, is that correct?
0: I was uh, 24, 24.
1: Okay. So did you have any other health things prior to that? And I mean, even stuff like, did you get migraines? Were you on 20 courses of antibiotics or something for sinus infections each year? Were you overall pretty healthy?
0: So at the time... Yes, I, I wasn't taking any med- medications or anything like that. Um, now, like looking back, I, I was actually put on uh, an SSRI when I was a kid for something completely unrelated to, to mm-hmm. mental health. Um, I had um, ME, which is like post-viral fatigue syndrome, It's basically where you're tired all the time and everyone thinks you're making it up, but it's, it's an actual <laughs> illness. So I had that as a child. So I was on an, an antidepressants from 14 to 19. And now I can see the impact that they have had on my like gut and which I'm sure we'll get into. But I, I believe even though I wasn't taking anything at the time, I do think that that had an impact, but it wasn't the, the actual illness itself. It's more like what they put, what they prescribed me to deal with it that I think had the bigger impact.
1: Sure. How the heck do you get an, I mean, I know that they they hand those things out like candy, the antidepressants, but that one even I can't figure out. So what's the logic there? Why do they give that for this condition?
0: So that specifically was prescribed to me because I was struggling to sleep and it was meant to help with my sleep. Okay. I was 14 years old and the doctor and my mom were like, hey, you need to take these. So I was like, okay. Plus I was 14, so I was like, Oh, I'm on antidepressants now. My life is like really hard. Like, so I was like, Oh, this is this is like an attention thing, it's gonna be great, yeah. Um, but I didn't take them properly because like, I was a kid, I was like taking them on empty stomach. Like, and as I got older, I was drinking when I was taking them. Like, it makes me cringe thinking about it, but that's yeah, and I, I think that had a really big impact. But like you say that was it's a lot unfortunately of doctors go-tos when they don't know how to deal with illnesses that don't have um actually no I take that back it's a lot of go-tos for illnesses generally so
1: yeah it's well it's yeah. insane to me because I realized this as a as a kid because <laughs> um <laughs> certain stories I probably you know I'll, I'll word this one very politically correct um a teenage friend of mine, when I was also a teenager, you know, you're starting to get interested in girls, you're dating and stuff, things are happening. And there was certain things that he had some issues with. And he said that the doctor gave him this Zoloft stuff to help him perform better is what I will say. And I looked that up and I found out that they gave a teenager Zoloft so that he could do his thing more. And because it makes you like numb to like a lot of sexual sensations. I'm like, what like i thought that was crazy back then and then you get older and you realize they'll give this for gut stuff they'll give it to adults for those issues now an adult is going to have the intelligence to not tell their friend that they're on that for that reason uh teenager little bit of more of an open mouth when they have a few drinks in the right so you learn a few things about your friends um but they they throw these things out like candy and they're not particularly um free of side effects right it's like holy crap like why are we doing this to people in fact the whole reason the jokes aside The whole reason that that worked for my friend is because it is a side effect that it makes people feel numb um, to these things.
0: That was why they put me. So I was on something called amitriptyline. I don't know if it's available in the US. Obviously I was in the UK at this time. So I was put on amitriptyline and the side effect is like drowsiness. And they put me on a high enough dose so that I would be affected by that. Um, And I just, I cringe because what else was that doing to my body at 14 years old like i wasn't fully developed yet my hormones were going crazy as it was like i just i can't imagine the impact uh, that it had at the time and they just hand them out and that was their solution when i first started having panic attacks they were like take these pills no one used the words mental health when i went to the doctor or panic attack or answer no one said anything he literally just wrote me a prescription and he was like, this will help you sleep because I was having the issues with falling asleep because I was afraid of having a panic attack. Um, and I took the prescription and I think I did it for like two days. And honestly, it made my panic attacks worse. Hmm. When I called the doctor, the, she was like, oh yeah, we'll make you worse for about two weeks before it makes you better. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Like talk about like preempting. And I was like, I want not do this. I was like, this is awful. Like I feel horrendous, but I don't want to go through what I went through. Like when I was a kid, I was like, I, now I'm older now. And that's not the right path. Like I'm an adult. I can choose and I don't want to do, I don't want to take drugs, but because I chose not to go down that path, there was like no other paths at that time suggested to me. So they basically were like, okay, on you go. And that's why like my journey was such a long one because I was just like in anxiety purgatory being like, okay, I am terrified. There's nothing wrong with me, but uh, like I'm terrified all the time and I don't know what to do.
1: Well, yeah. And so going back into your journey and kind of diving into the next steps here. So that this happens in your 20s. You have no idea what the hell this is. You just know something is majorly wrong. And it sounds like pr- relatively shortly after is when you got this prescription. So did you get that diagnosis? Like panic attacks are pretty distinct. Usually that one's not going to be missed. Did someone end up saying, okay, this is panic a panic attack? Um, um like were you able to get help for this afterwards? Or what was that? What would the next steps look like?
0: <laughs> so For several months I kind of floundered around. Um, the doctor that I had that had given me the prescription, like nothing, like nothing more from them. They couldn't do anything to help me. Um, and at the time, someone I was close to, I think uh they might have done a bit of research. I mean, we're going back like, you know, pre Instagram days. So it's not like I could just jump on and like, I don't know, search like fear or whatever, whatever I was feeling. So I think he probably went on Google or whatever and and he told me, he found a therapist for me um, and she was like a combination of CBT and uh, hypnotherapy. Okay. So I went and met her and she was the one that told me what had happened to me and told me that I, what I was dealing with. Um, and I did some therapy and some sessions with her and over time, but I'm talking like, years the panic attacks like got better and eventually subsided hmm. um so i i guess for the first portion of it i doubt with it using therapy but it wasn't enough i was still always anxious like even when i wasn't having daily panic attacks anymore i was always in fight or flight like i okay. still woke up terrified like no nah, terrified but pr- like on edge
1: so would that be and I apologize from before I realized, and Lucy will give me grace for this because she knows how crazy uh, everyone's schedule is right now. I was, for some reason, I was connecting the story with the doctor and the SSRI to the panic attack thing. I'm like, wait, no, that was from the, the post-viral thing. Like, well, that-
0: no, it was. So I did. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. I went to the doctor, like, literally maybe like three days after the first panic attack. Mm-hmm. I was just scared and I didn't know what was happening. And that he also wrote me a prescription. Okay to sleep.
1: Got it. Okay, that makes I sense. Got it.
0: My thing.
1: All right, so that makes a lot more sense. But he didn't die, he just did it for the sleep thing. He wasn't diagnosing anything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
0: Like, um I found out from the therapist that Got it. I All right, so that's
1: it. even scarier. I mean, now you get this medication uh kind of again same category, right? But you still don't know really why the hell you're taking this and panic attacks for those that it's so tough to describe it. I know we tried to emphasize this uh even in the last show which wasn't really about that, but still, I always feel the need to do it because it's something we, we've dealt with it. When people say you feel like you're dying, they mean that literally. It actually tricks your brain and body into yeah. reacting in such a way that you feel like you're on the train track stuck and the train's coming at you. It is that real, the feelings of death or doom. Um, and if you look at the symptoms, it says it right there. It's like fear of impending doom. That's literally how uh, one experiences it. So man, it's already scary enough, but to not even get a name put onto it uh, for... <laughs> you know, a while basically until this therapist comes in and says what's going on. Yes. It's, that's tough. And then, so it sounds like you were dealing with what might've been called like a generalized anxiety disorder too, but did that get diagnosed or is this just something that you're walking around with the feelings of?
0: Yeah, I know. It was just the feelings. Like the therapist told me what I was experiencing. Like she said, you're experiencing panic and anxiety, but it's actually only years, years and years later that I was told by a doctor Retrospectively, oh yeah, you had panic disorder <laughs> and uh, GAD. And I was like, wow. oh,
1: wow, okay. I mean, and it makes sense too. I guess like, if if this is pre Instagram days, like things have changed. I always, yes. I always assumed the issues because I had a similar experience, but I was so damn young that I thought that was why, and I thought they didn't really recognize it just being a kid. But yeah. I guess this was more of a widespread thing where. You know, just like we all unfortunately kind of deal with a stigma around mental health, it still exists to this day, even post pandemic. It's gotten a lot better. Um, I'm in the mental health space, so I know that, but it's present. I think that affects health professionals, too. I think doctors have their own stigmas. It's not that they're judging us for it. It's not that type of stigma, but it's an expectation of, is this person coming in with this? If they don't see it every single day, which I guarantee right now they're seeing panic attacks every day in the office, guarantee they're seeing depression every day in the office. Well, you almost expect it. It's it's not abnormal. Oh, Lucy comes in with this. Yeah, that's a panic attack. This is a panic disorder. This is what you do. But I don't know what it was back then. Maybe one out of 10 people were coming in with this. Maybe it was one out of 50. I, I, I don't have any idea. When did you start getting into then this more natural side of things? Because you're, you're on this completely different journey Uh, beforehand. You're, you're a healthy person, not necessarily interested in this stuff, not disinterested, but it's not your life. You have these experiences. You're going through more of a traditional treatment route is therapy is, is something that Eastern and functional can agree on or Eastern and Western, I should say could agree on, but it's still different than functional medicine. So when did you start approaching from the natural side?
0: Um, so it kind of happened by accident, actually. Uh, when I was about 30. So, like six, five or six years into my journey, just completely like, com- like I, I began a journey of health, but not for mental health reasons. I just got to a point where I was like, I was drinking a lot and I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. This is not really my thing. So I started looking into like taking care of myself more. So I started regularly exercising. Um, I started, I actually cut out gluten. um, Just thinking like, oh, this is like, I I will admit like at the time I was like, that was like the thing to do. So I was like, I'm going to give up gluten, (laughs) but unbeknownst to me all these things started to happen and I started to experience less and less anxiety I didn't notice it at the time because I still had anxiety so that was like I still had anxiety so that was really all I care about but cared about sorry but looking back now I can see the slow progression and I got more and more interested in in it um and I mean it did it then took it took a few years and I I basically decided that I wanted to help because I'd gotten to a place where I felt a lot better. I actually started doing um, like mindset coaching for people dealing with like mental health issues. And I kind of just fell down this rabbit hole of, of healing. And it, one thing led to another. And I read a book called Woman Code by Elisa, Elisa Vita, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the back of it, there was a, a like a four day diet plan. And, and the idea was actually not to help with anxiety. It was to help with hormone balance and things like that. But I did the four, <clears throat> excuse me, the four day diet and I had no anxiety. And I was okay. like, what? <laughs> I was like, all right this doesn't happen to me in like a decade. I was like, there's got to be something into this. And from there, I just fell into this like gut health rabbit hole, started posting about what I was finding. And one of my friends actually messaged me. She had already, she was already an FDN and she said, right. Hey, <laughs> you, you need to like, look at this course. Cause it sounds like, you know, it's a great match. And I was looking to learn more about like gut health specifically at the time, but and then, yeah, I found sure FDN and signed up, and <laughs> the rest is history.
1: It's always fascinating to me how everyone's health journey is unique. Like right? the experiences are unique, but I could almost write a textbook exactly how this is going to play out in terms of people ending up in these uh, things as career paths because we're kind of going along we have these random health symptoms we're like what the heck we follow the conventional route first because why wouldn't you that's just that's makes sense that's the intuitive way to do this initially is like all right yeah i'll go to the doctor figure out what's up doesn't necessarily work the way we wanted it to. Start experiencing some other stuff. There's a few, maybe some lucky moments in all of it, right? You, you get the right book. You have a friend in the right course. It's cool yeah. how these things happen. And then all of a sudden you're the dang director of the Association of FDN Professionals. It's it's amazing how this uh, kind of comes full circle. So was FDN the first course that you went through
0: at that point? No, it actually wasn't. I did, I did a random gut health course. It was just like a... I'm sure you've seen them. It's, I just bought it from some random coach and it was Shorter like, enough. yeah. yeah. I know, you get
1: the face. Facebook ad and you're like, dang, this. I'm looking to spend $500 today, baby. <laughs> I need some credit <laughs> <Yeah>. card points. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, it was called like Buddha Belly or something really random. Okay. I can't even tell you the coach it was from, but it was just like a start on my path. But it definitely, it made me realize like I was thirsty for like science, mm-hmm. not just someone being like, do this, do that um and i think I, I started looking into iin as well and that was like the two i was deciding between iin and uh fdn and went down the the fdn path
1: yeah it's and al- it's always worth mentioning because i actually i did go through iin first so for those listening that there's always going to be someone listening that's on the fence about both and i know this because like 25 30 percent of the people that call us are uh post graduates at iin and they want to move into fdn right it's not, there's no it's not one or the other is bad or good. It has nothing to do with that. IIN is a traditional health coaching program. So if you visualize your dream career as sitting down with someone kind of diving deep into the psychology and just going back and forth in that way, goal setting, stuff like that, all important, that would be the program. If you are someone that wants to dive deep into like the science, the lab testing, um, and really be able to help quite sick people, that would be the FDN route. And you can mix both together too. Nothing nothing wrong with that. So uh, we do have some comments that came through. So I will just shout some of these out. We had uh, some people saying, love it. Uh, that's crazy, just the, the journey and stuff. Yeah. Um, Tracy said, what a horrible never-ending cycle of fear. You feel so trapped in life when experiencing these types of things. Absolutely. Oh, and Ryu joined us again. Good morning to you, my friend. Uh, that's awesome that uh, you got back. So when you did your self-study, your gut course, and especially FDN, I'm curious, what ended up being some findings of yours? Like, what did you end up realizing was going on in your body? Because for those that don't know, the FDN course includes lab tests in the cost of tuition. So just by going through FDN, you're going to start analyzing your own body. Um, I'm curious what came up for you because you had been on the journey for a little bit by then.
0: So (laughs) everything. (laughs) So I had, uh, I had H. pylori, my gut was just a total mess. I had H. pylori, candida, uh, a crap ton of dysbiosis. Like my good gut bacteria was like non-existent. Like everything was low. I think there were like three that were normal out of like the, the eight or so that we look at Um, all of that. Like I had really low gut acidity, my B on days was like super high. Like everything was just completely messed up. My hormones were all over the place. Like, and it just made so much sense. And actually it made me feel so much better. I think a lot of people get really freaked out when they see like a sheet with like red all over it. But it made me, it helped me understand that what I was dealing with wasn't my fault. Like it, it was my fault in the way that I had led a life that had created it. But the feelings, like what I was feeling were not my fault, was not my fault. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and I would even,
1: tell me if you agree with this, and if you don't, that's okay. I would even go as far as to say, maybe none of it's your fault, but it is your responsibility and your ability to get out of it. That's probably maybe the middle of it.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: Cool. So you find a lot of stuff. I totally get that because... I think only the people who have had chronic symptoms truly understand this, not necessarily mental health, but physical health. We're like the people, yeah, you get some bad labs back. You're like, yeah. And your family's looking like you're crazy. Why, why do you like this? It's not that I like it. It's unvalidated because yeah. you guys have to think maybe you haven't been through this stuff and you're just listening because you're interested in the topic. That's wonderful. If you're someone like Lucy, who you have these symptoms They're they're scary as hell. You go to the doctors. They're not really ever able to tell you fully until years down the road uh, what was going on. And then you're still experiencing this stuff. When someone like that gets the lab results back and you see all these things that are bad, you don't get scared. You already knew something was wrong. That's not news to you. Everyone else just didn't know. Right. You knew something was wrong. The, the reason that the labs can be so profound is because it's like, oh damn, I have something I can work on too. And that's where that personal responsibility side comes in. It's like, all right, I didn't, when, when I say it's not your fault, what I meant was obviously you did not choose that. You know, it's almost yeah. like if I, I'm not, uh judging the people that this has happened to my dad smokes but like if i smoke two packs of cigarettes a day and i get lung cancer that would be a little more in the fault side in my opinion because that's not news to anyone that smokes cigarettes you know that was a risk factor i don't yeah. think that you knew the things that you were doing considering i mean you said yourself you didn't really even know about mental health i don't think you ever knew panic attacks were a risk uh to what was going on so no. it's the responsibility of us though to get out of these things i don't Agree with what I'm about to say, by the way, but I heard some doctor say it at some point, and I thought it was very interesting that you brought up the Candida thing. There was some doctor that actually believed that all, 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 100% of cases of panic disorder were caused by Candida overgrowth. Now, I don't agree with that. I think it's oversimplified, but my point is the fact that they could even be a doctor that stood so strongly in that opinion because they've seen that correlated so many times. I think that's fascinating. And their logic was candida, it's such a, it releases these toxins, right? As it's being kind of broken down, that it causes symptoms in the body that lead to panic attacks. And so a little off track here, but I got to ask, Were the panic attacks, I know the one in sleep had to be random, but were the ones after that truly random or did you feel like you had a physical symptom first that then led to a cascade of other stuff going on with the panic uh, side of things? Or was it just, hey, I'm good one second and the next second I'm I'm out here?
0: Well, when I was really going through it, I was always anxious, but I didn't have a specific trigger. You know how some people like if they get claustrophobic or... uh, So I was living in London at the time um, and a lot of people would get anxiety like going on the tube because it's like underground and closed in. So that was like a trigger. I had nothing like that. I could be, so one time I thought I was better. I thought I'd escaped. I hadn't had a panic attack for like six months. I was like, this is amazing. Was living my best life. Was having lunch with my cousin um, in the middle of London. It was a beautiful sunny day. I'll never forget it. I felt so relaxed. And then all of a sudden, bam, panic attack out of absolutely freaking nowhere. And then the cycle kind of started all over again. So it was really frustrating to me because everybody that I spoke to, every professional that I spoke to would always say to me, what's your trigger? Do you have a trigger? So I wasted, and I deeply believe this, I wasted years looking for an external trigger. I didn't have one. Because all my stuff was internal like my body was in chaos okay it just yeah. was a nightmare
1: and that's that's why we do the podcast right i like hearing these different stories and it's one of the many reasons i don't fully agree with that doctor i just i knew i was biased with it but i found that it resonated with me to some degree because their argument was that when candida all these toxins are being released i think it's the acid aldehyde. um a lot of that goes through the body it can create symptoms like Chest pain, or feeling like you can't breathe, or you get stuff on your skin, or whatever. And I remember looking back 99% of the time for me, there was one or two symptoms that would precede the panic attack. Like I felt like I couldn't breathe for a second. Now, of course, that's also a symptom of a panic attack. So it's kind of a chicken or egg thing, but it almost seemed like there was this moment where I go from, all right, I'm uncomfortable with this symptom to, whoop, we just jumped into this. And obviously anyone who feels like they can't breathe would become pretty damn nervous very quickly. So yeah. I was just wondering, always curious about the different ways that people experience this. And I think sharing both of those is actually useful to people who will listen to this because the panic attack thing's impossible to describe to someone else unless you've been through it, I think. And that's like many health conditions. And so for the people listening, I hope they're like, it's not the club you wanted to be in, I suppose. But they're like, all right, damn. These people are in my club too. I, I get this. So yeah, yeah, yours were truly random. You're having fun with someone you like and and bam, it hits you out of nowhere. Um, Someone, oh, nice. Ryu got some great comments. I got to throw this up here. Butyrate helps our mood and crosses the blood brain barrier. Absolutely. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, Ryu, do you have, I got to ask, do you have any certifications or what do you do? You came in last time too with a bunch of different knowledge. Are you just a self-studier? So I'd love to learn uh, more about you and what you're doing. Um, with that said, though, so you go through the FDN course, you find that all this crazy stuff's going on. Um, how did the how did the journey look after that? Like, when did you graduate FDN? By the way, I don't know that offhand.
0: Um, January twenty twenty.
1: Okay, cool. So you've been in for a few years, obviously. So you've had some time to implement the protocols and make some changes. Um, what have the last few years looked like? Because it's not like you weren't up against a lot. The world kind of, you know took a poop and it seems to never end. It just yeah. Yeah, it keeps on going right now. So if anything, this would be a time where it should be harder uh, to feel better. And it looks like you're probably doing pretty damn good based on what I've heard from you. So what yeah, what is the last three years look like in terms of the protocol and changing things?
0: Uh, it's freedom. <laughs> it's been total, total relief. It's been relief. Like it's uh, allowed me to have my life back. I mean, especially at the beginning, I felt like I wasn't living my life. I was literally existing. I remember watching people like passing on the street, like having a nice little chat and thinking, how are you living your life so easily when I can barely function? And it just seemed very, very unfair. But to have my life back now is, it sounds so silly to say, cause it's, you know, all in your head, but I really did not have a life for a very, very long time. And at end, gave me that freedom back um, I just couldn't get away from the anxiety. I like, I I was fortunate that I managed to get a hold of the panic attacks through therapy, but the anxiety was just always there. And it stops you doing a lot of stuff, even without the panic attacks. I
1: get that. That doesn't, well, you know, maybe to someone out there, but to me, it definitely doesn't sound cheesy. When you are dealing with these things, any mental health condition, depression, whatever it it's all consuming and you can have the best stuff around you too you can be living in a nice place you can have nice things it's just it's weird it just takes over and that's the main um that's the main focus in life and so the, the good part about this what's really cool because your answer when you said freedom that was so interesting i've never actually it was just so genuine that was a interesting way to answer that. i'm like okay that's a person who's, who's been through this for real right you can't you can't fake the uh way that you answered it in my opinion when you've been through this though this is the good side of it man, your perspective on just daily life that I think too many people take for granted is so different. Like I'll be going through my normal life and I'm just happy, you know? And it's not a perfect life, right? You have bad days, I'm not saying that. But I am, I'm so easily able to be thankful and happy on otherwise normal days because I'm just like, if I'm not feeling grateful, I'm like, dude, thank God I'm not worried about when's this next panic attack's gonna happen. You know, I'm not having some suicidal ideation. Just enjoy the beautiful day. Like that's what it is. And it's a very genuine gratitude um, and it's a good way to live the rest of your life, in my opinion. So <laughs> I don't know that I would want to do it over again, certainly not for the a, a length of time that I did it, but I wouldn't mind a bit of it to get this level of gratitude now, because I don't know if I would have had uh, the level of gratitude that I have if I hadn't experienced both sides of it. And it sounds like that's probably the same for you too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was kind of bit of an idiot when I was in my early 20s anyway so I don't really think like I don't know I, I think it gave me it's definitely given me more purpose um I'm very passionate about mental health and about helping other people understand that there are other answers out there for you rather than just take this pill because um, to me it's not a solution I know this is... I don't want to upset anyone. There's nothing wrong with taking medication. You do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. But it's not, to me, a long-term solution. Like, it's not going to solve the issue. And I wanted to solve the issue because I was so sick of feeling like it. And it gave... Like, FDN gave me that key to solving it. And now I get to live my life. And you don't... You don't forget. Like, it it does get... easier obviously but you don't forget how terrifying and lonely and like the experience is and it yeah. does give you that perspective
1: well and focusing on those solutions is kind of perfect timing by the way ryu said they self-study and are interested in starting fdn uh, potentially this winter that's that's awesome we'd love to have someone like you thank you for just contributing uh your self-knowledge to this um to this podcast. We love having you. Uh, Tracy said, and we'll kind of use this to start the next part here, is how do we explain to people outside of the health space that mental health can absolutely start in the gut? Um, Her experience is that they don't get it. And an even bigger question there, and in addition to that, is just what are some of these things that you think people need to nail down? Um, I I think most people that would listen to or watch something like this understand that medication is a temporary thing. I think they understand that FDN is not against medication at all. But no one woke up and was deficient in Zoloft no one woke up and was deficient in Xanax that is is a factual statement so you can use those things to to get some help because man the stress that comes from dealing with these things and not getting relief is way worse probably than taking a damn medication but it's like can we go a step further and try to get you to the point where you don't have the stress and you don't also need the medication that would be a wonderful thing so um, from what you've learned over your time of studying and going through FDN and stuff what are some big things that people need to nail down? (laughs)
0: where do we start um okay so blood sugar is a is a huge one especially in the morning i think we live in a very fast-paced society and i think a lot of people um don't take the time to look at how their body is functioning on a day-to-day basis and actually understand that this is having an impact like our bodies are connected and i'm very very passionate about helping people understand that that mental health is health it's not just up here it is like a full full body experience because when your body is struggling it's struggling so things go sideways and it doesn't function as it should and anxiety to me in my opinion is a cry for, is your body's cry for help it's like struggling that bad um the reason I would suggest like starting in the gut and looking in your gut. There's I mean, there's a few, but hormones, there's a lot of hormones that are synthesized in your gut. um, Like your happy hormones, serotonin, uh, melatonin um, for for sleep. And then on top of that, they help with digestion. And if you don't have those hormones to create all these things, (laughs) your body can't function properly and things start sliding and it begins to kind of trickle and then it gets bigger and bigger until you finally end up with like a million panic attacks. Like I did. Um, and I, I deeply believe that all my stuff started because I wasn't taking care of myself. I was 25, 24 and I was going out weekends. I was, you know, I, I considered myself healthy because I'm skinny. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I eat home cooked meals four times a week. I'm healthy, and but in the meantime, I was like binge drinking, uh, doing drugs at weekends, like just partying my ass off, not getting any sleep. And all of that has a direct impact on your body. We're using up our vital reserve, but because you're in your early twelve, at least for me, I was like, it's fine, I don't care. Like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's like what all my friends used to say. And I said as well. Um, But the impact of all of these, things that you're consuming has an impact like it, it's affecting your body and obviously like a lot of things go through our gut and that's where we have to digest things so our gut and our liver are, are extremely important when starting like a health journey um and i mentioned blood sugar before but blood sugar spikes when you are dealing with anxiety put your hormones into overdrive and that if you're or if your hormones are already crazy from being so anxious all the time, like you're already in fight or flight, your body is already overproducing cortisol. It's going to get even worse. So it's actually really, you can start just by looking at blood sugar, like balancing your hormones in the morning, doing simple things like eating um, within one hour of waking up, making sure you're eating a balanced breakfast, skip the fast food, like the cereal bars, things like that. Anything that's like high in sugar and um, carbohydrates, like i tried to avoid when I was dealing with this.
1: Okay, and and I'm not recommending people go do the four day diet, but I am fascinated looking back to that, that you did this four day thing based on a book uh, recommendation. Yes, And it did work at least to some degree for the anxiety and stuff. Was that something like, why? okay, how about this? Because people are gonna take that then and run with it and try to go do it. So instead of giving too many specifics on like the exact day by day diet, What do you think was included or not included in that that worked? Was it a gluten-free thing? Was it eat one hour after waking up? Like what was included in that that led to such quick
0: results? So it was – so to be honest with you, I couldn't even tell you what what the exact um, meals were in in the book. But it was – it was whole foods approach and it was three meals a day and it was uh it was said like you need to eat I think they said within two hours I've just personally found that an hour is better for my blood sugar um yeah so it was the whole foods approach and it was um things that I hadn't really considered eating like a a lot of like fish um and I know i saying that out loud now sounds really like silly but it's at the time you know I just I didn't think I just didn't think about what I was eating if that makes it I didn't have that connection yet um and the focus is very very much on like nutrient dense food and they were talking about like omega-3s for hormones and getting fish and um there was quite a lot of like beans and things lentils um it's a great book <laughs> but to- to go check it out but it just kind of it just opened it it opened the conversation for me that this was potentially a path to go down and and kind of examine
1: okay cool and then just to be clear what was your career before because I think I remember this but what was your career before kind of working like in an FDN I mean obviously you love uh, this company and the things that we've done, you're now are literally in a huge yeah. position here, which is amazing. So what were you doing before this if you never got anxiety and panic attacks?
0: Uh, I was in digital marketing. Okay, cool. Actually, hey, that aligns. Yeah, so I actually, actually the time I started having panic attacks, I was in sales. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> high, high stress. Um, but I mean, yeah, like I said, I didn't feel like a, a whole amount of stress, which is why it kind of blew me. Out the water, like I like, suddenly was like stressed all the time. But um, yeah, I was in sales, and then transitioned to digital marketing throughout the years. Yeah.
1: Looking back now, if because you did the therapy thing, you did the medication thing, you did uh, obviously a lot of natural stuff. I know that we're not against any of those things, but I'm almost curious about the order and and the urgency that would have been taken. If you knew then what you knew now, um, in other words, like if someone's listening right now and is still actively dealing with panic attacks, what would be like, what, what steps do you go do tomorrow? If you're that person that's struggling right now clicked on this cause they saw the title and I'm like, holy crap, I need this to go away ASAP.
0: Um, that is a really great question. I do feel fortunate that I'm in the position that I am an FDN, but the first thing I would do is if I had a panic attack tomorrow, I would immediately run all of the labs that i have available within reason like our foundational labs on myself um, and work from there i would look at my diet i would look at my sleep schedule i would look at like the last three months in terms of stress load and how i'm managing it um and course correct like maybe i'm not dealing with stress in a, as healthy a way as i need to so maybe like start looking at like meditation exercise Um, One thing I would also do, which I know a lot of people think is counterintuitive, I might pull back on my exercise. A lot of people use exercise to help with anxiety, and it absolutely does. But I think sometimes some of us have a tendency to go really hard on um, exercise when we are anxious as like like an escape. And actually, that can kind of be like backwards because... Anxiety is a stressor on our body. It's a good stressor, but it's still going to add stress hormones to the mix. So I would probably look at reining it back to like yoga, Pilates, um, even walking. Like when I went through my healing process, I just walked every day. That was the only form of exercise that I did. Um, Obviously, everyone is different. You need to check in with yourself about how you're feeling after exercise. But I really would just kind of hold myself accountable, like take a step back look at how I've been behaving and then look at what I can do to, to move forward in a, in a more cohesive way, I guess. Well, and that's actually kind of a common
1: theme of your, your podcast today, because you brought this up in different ways a few times. You, you talked about, I wasn't thinking about what I was eating. You know, I thought I could just kind of do this forever. And then even this, you gave steps, but you also recommended introspection more or less, like what's going on. And I think that's, that's how a lot of us operate on a daily basis with many different habits that we have. This goes totally outside of health. This could be with finances. It can be with relationships. And we expect teenagers to do it, but we do carry this into our 20s, 30s and beyond. Some people will do this for the rest of their life. You know, you ask someone, well, what were you thinking when they made like a bad decision or whatever? I wasn't. You know, and you realize like you weren't. And I remember thinking that all the time. I never understood that question. I'd always get in trouble as a teenager, and my parents were like, "What the hell are you thinking?" I'm like, "I wasn't. (laughs) Like I was just trying (laughs) to have fun. Like if I was thinking, I wouldn't have probably done it." And you know, we we can laugh about that now, but we really do sometimes just taking a second to sit with ourselves and, and analyze what's happening can be one of the better solutions. Right. But what happens in today's world is who the hell gets a second to actually think because you're either going to work all day or you're traveling to work and then you get home and you're completely stimulated on these things or whatever. Yeah. It is amazing what a simple 10 minute break, whether it's the walking or whatever, without music, without the audio book, without whatever uh, can do, like those thoughts are going to come up. And if you're so uncomfortable with the thoughts that come up that you can't even do that, I think, that's not something to fear. That's actually a, a room for healing in and of itself, right? Cuz many people will not want to do that because of those thoughts like I don't know if I'd keep repressing that uh, even farther, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think we definitely need to be to be comfortable with those uh with being alone, with alone time, like with processing. Cuz if you're not processing it, it's going to go somewhere. And if you don't deal with it, you're going to have to at some point is basically what I'm trying to say. So you may yeah. as well do it bit by bit. I think that that's a much healthier approach to it.
1: It's just like the symptoms, right? You can ignore maybe minor symptoms for a while, but eventually it's just going to keep building and building. So the best answer is always just address it where it's at, uh, do what you can. And then you start learning to tune in with your body a lot better. Some of this stuff tricky. I still, my God, the exercise one is still, it's almost like I can't believe it. And that's my problem. And I, I'm not good at translating in my head that. All right, I worked for ten hours, so that is a stress on the body, because I'm not like landscaping, right? I'm doing podcasts, I'm doing sales calls, whatever. Like, I don't translate that the same as a physical labor job. And this just happened the other night. I came home um, and told Maddie I was so dizzy after jujitsu, and she's like, "Dude, you did the weightlifting this morning, you worked ten hours, and then you went and did jujitsu." Like, maybe I'm like trying to think of, oh, is it this reason? Is it a sinus thing? Is it water? maybe it's just too much like could that could that be it
0: yeah see and what i mean though we think like uh you know i mean on paper that sounds great it is amazing you did like your strength training you did you did like your cardio like that's great but together side by side like that's probably an early start and a late finish and then you've got all the work in between Mm -hmm. like that's stress all day on your body and but we don't view it like that, which I, I do understand. But like you say, I think sometimes we just need to like take a step back and be like, all right, I'm going yeah. to implement a rest day.
1: Well, and I think that's, that's the final lesson of the day, right? Whenever you have these symptoms, mental health or physical health, it's a warning sign. And when you learn to think about stress in this more large holistic view you'll start connecting things that you've never connected before i eventually realized because acne has been one of my symptoms over exercise and and stress of travel almost every time i travel it's not bad but i almost always get one or two breakouts it's like you would most people would say that has nothing to do with it well it's like yes it does because it's stress on my body i could eat the same way but you send me on planes and jumping time zones that's stress. That's why that happens. Um, so it's just, it's a learning thing. The symptoms are always the warning sign saying, Hey, we need to dial this back a little bit and right. we can choose how we dial it back. Um, I can probably afford to work 10 hours a day if I don't do anything else and I rest the other six, but that's a trade-off. So you need to decide where you're at with your life. If you got four kids, maybe the 10, 11 hour workdays are not the best, not the best deal. Right. So let yeah. see. I know that, I mean, you're basically full-time FDN and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I apologize if this isn't the case. You don't, like you don't even have a place where people could go and find you necessarily to work with you that's not something you offer at this time correct
0: it's it's not something i'm offering i do still have my instagram and i, I do uh post about like mental health and stuff because i i'm very passionate about people understanding that it's a full body program okay. um but i am not i'm not taking clients right now
1: that's totally sorry just wanted to double check i know we kind of <laughs> talked about that off air but that's even better thank you for coming on today especially in the middle of the work day and just Sharing this with people, this this always needs to be said. The mental health stuff. There are are real consequences when people don't believe that there's not hope when they're dealing with mental health issues, and I I don't think I need to get any more in depth than that. So when they can hear these stories, if if you're the one that they relate to, and they're like, "Well, damn, if she could figure this out, maybe I can." That's all that matters, man. That's kind of the best thing ever. With all that said, then we don't have to worry about where people can find you. Um, Lucy's just here helping out, good of her heart. I will ask one final question, though. It's our signature question on the show. It's a little similar to what we talked about before. So if it ends up being an overlapping or even identical answer, no problem. But the signature question on the Health Detective Podcast, Lucy, is if we could give you a magic wand and you could wave it and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health. So you can either get them to do one thing or you can make them stop doing one thing. What is the one thing that Lucy would get them to do?
0: Oh, that is a good question. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if it was, it's not really stopped doing, but I really, really, really want people to understand that the the impact of the crap that they put in their body is what they get out. So I feel like I'm okay. So like our bodies are almost like a computer mm-hmm. and the food we put in is a code, right? Mm-hmm. And if we put in a bad code, we get a bad result, and that is like food. Okay, so if we're putting in food that we know is not great for us, that's what you're gonna get out. Does <laughs> that make sense? I feel like I'm not explaining this very well, but basically, I would. I want people to understand that when you are going to the supermarkets and you're buying the food off the shelf, the prepackaged stuff, and it's got all these ingredients in that you don't know what they are that has an impact on your mental health it has an impact on on your body and i would really love people to fully grasp that and understand because i think a lot of people do not
1: it it makes total sense and what i always tell people is just try it i mean you waste time in your life all the time do 30 days say and do for two weeks. My gosh, you're going to feel a difference for two weeks. Just say, I'm going to eat this way. If it doesn't work, that detective Ev person and Lucy person were crazy. That that's fine. You can come back to us and say exactly. that, but just give it a chance. Just right? give it a chance to see what, what do you have to lose? Right. Um, Tracy said, amazing story and info Lucy. Thank you for sharing. Awesome. Uh, Guys, if you're watching live, I'm going to edit this out for the audio part, but we do have our health space unmasked event coming up on Saturday. We're going to be talking about trauma with Dr. Amy Apisian, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. And I'll be doing some hosting with that. So, it's either going to go really good or really bad because I've never hosted the <laughs> Health Space Unmasked event. You can sign up for that at fdntraining.com slash unmasked. And again, that's just for the live viewers if you happen to see this before September 2nd. But you can always sign up for our Health Space Unmasked events at that link because we do it the first Saturday of every month. All right, thanks, Lucy, for letting me do my little advertisement. We appreciate you being here today. This was great.